for granted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. We ask now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that man would decrease, that your spirit would increase, that you would be glorified. I thank you for everyone who's here, none by chance, all by divine appointment. You know what's going on in everyone's lives who are here, things that maybe nobody else knows. Some struggling with fear, anxiety, whatever it might be, others financial situations, children that are walking in rebellion, marriages that are struggling. Lord, we know that you are the great physician and you can fix it all. And so Lord, we lay all this at your feet. We ask now again that you would be our teacher this morning. We ask all this in your holy and your precious name. We pray and all God's people said. All right. So Daniel, as we've been talking about, by the way, if you're new to Calvary Chapel, we just go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book through the whole Bible, because nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian. We started in Genesis on Thursday nights. We encourage you to come for Ezra chapter eight this coming Thursday. On Thursday nights, we meet at seven o'clock. We actually do meet indoors. So you don't have to worry about the weather and tacos are provided so you can come straight from work. You can get fed physically and spiritually. encourage you to come on Thursday nights. We started in, in Matthew on Sunday mornings. We went all the way through Revelation. So we've, we've done the entire New Testament. We'll go back to Matthew, but before we do, I decided to teach through Daniel, and the reason I did is because it ties so uh, clearly into the book of Revelation. The first half of Daniel, which we are finishing this morning, is more of the historical time. So we've seen so far looking at this man, Daniel, who was taken captive when he was a teenager. He was drugged away to a foreign land. More, more than likely, he was made a eunuch because he was numbered amongst the eunuchs. He saw many of his own family members put to death in front of him. And as he was taken captive and as he came into Babylon, the first thing that happened was instead of him being tortured or enslaved, they put him in a position where they wanted him to be one of the wise men. And part of that was they gave them their diet. And Daniel, as a teenage boy, knowing that Nebuchadnezzar was a ruthless man who would put anybody to death for looking at him sideways, looked at them and said, I will not eat this food. The law of Moses forbids it. And he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. We're going to see Daniel in the lion's den today in his 80s, but the only reason we see Daniel in the lion's den in his 80s is because Daniel was a faithful teenager. Otherwise, we never would have got past chapter one. Amen? And so Daniel is such a great example. There's 70 years of his life is covered between chapter one and chapter six, and we don't have one recorded sin. Now, we know he's a sinner because everyone is. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But there's more spoken of about Daniel than any other man in the Bible outside of Jesus with no recorded sin. In chapter two, we know that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. It was troubling him. He couldn't remember exactly what it was. He called his wise men in. And of course, the world has no answers. The guys from Pagan University didn't have any answers. So he started killing his wise men. They called for Daniel. Daniel went and prayed with his brothers, uh, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They sought the Lord. God gave him both what the dream was and interpreted to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar said, then your God is God. We're going to believe in your God. And the vision was of a, of, of a statue that had all the different kingdoms that would come. It would be broken by a rock, and the rock is Jesus. We get to chapter 3, and Nebuchadnezzar's memory is short. It had been about 16 years, and he went from saying, your God is God, to saying, I am God. There's my statue. When the music starts playing, bow, or we're going to throw you in the fire. How do you really feel about it, Nebuchadnezzar, right? And so he... The music plays, and, it's, and any dead fish can go with the flow, right? Anybody can just do what the world is doing. And everybody bowed, but three young Jewish boys stood, Daniel's friends, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know what took place. They drug him in, and the king, we, I could just see the vein popping in his neck and his forehead as he screams at him and wants to know why they have not bowed. And he tells them, who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? And I love that these young men, by this time probably in their 30s, they look at the king and said, oh, king, we will not bow. And our God will deliver us. But even if not, we will never bow to this, golden, to this image. And guys, we should never bow to the world. We should never bow to the enemy. Again, we worship one alone, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? And so they didn't bow. 
He's heated up seven times hotter. How hot does fire need to be to burn you? And they throw them into the fire, and he looks into the side. It's like a kiln. He can see him through the side. Instead of seeing three guys being turned to ashes who are bound, what he sees instead is four walking around, and the fourth one is in the likeness of the Son of God. And as we talked about, then he had to call them out of the fire. You know, that's an amazing thing that you're in the fire and someone has to call you to get out. Every time I've touched fire, nobody had to tell me anything. And you know what's amazing is he went from who was the God that will deliver you out of my hands to come out, come out, ye servants of the Most High God. And we saw how God was using the faithfulness of Daniel and the faithfulness of these three young men, not only to transform the king's life, but the entire, entire kingdom. Because then Nebuchadnezzar once again said, you know what? Your God is God, and we will worship no other God but him. In chapter four, we saw Nebuchadnezzar's testimony talking about just, and it's amazing that a pagan king wrote an entire chapter that's in the Bible, and he gives his testimony and talks about even the fact that he had to come to the end of himself. And we talked about the fact that either you will humble yourself or God will humble you, and he humbled King Nebuchadnezzar. Then last week, we got to chapter five. Several kings had come, and Daniel, of course, remains in a position of authority. As he stood for God, he literally became number two to each of the kings. And Belshazzar was celebrating and, and having a drunken rager as his nation was surrounded by the Persians, the Medo-Persians. And instead of worrying about the enemy, he thought he was so invincible because they had 350-foot-tall walls. And he thought, there's no way in, and we're totally invincible. We grow our food on the inside. I have nothing to fear. He was having a drunken party. He was using the stuff that was meant to be used for the worship of the true and living God. And as he was getting drunk, a hand came down and wrote on the wall, Meany, Meany, take hell, you farson. And when the hand came down, it says that Belshazzar's knees started knocking together and his hips were loosed. If you were here last week, we know what that means, that he messed himself. And as he stood there, he was petrified and he brought in the wise men again, the not so wise men. They should call them the idiot men because they never give any answers <laughs> anywhere. Every time they're called for, they got nothing because astrology is not the answer. Magic's not the answer. The world's wisdom is not the answer. And they came in and the queen remembered Daniel. And she went, goes and gets Daniel and Daniel gives the interpretation. He tries to bribe Daniel by giving a bunch of stuff. And Daniel says, look, I'll interpret the dream. You can keep the stuff. You know why? Because Daniel's focus wasn't on stuff. His focus is on God. He doesn't worry about anything the world has to offer him. And we're going to see more of that this morning's text. And we know what happened that God brought righteous judgment and now Darius has arisen as the new king. He's from the Medo-Persians. The Babylonians are done. They've taken over. And then we come now to chapter six. And when we get here, Daniel's in his 80s. So Daniel has gone through five different kings, at least, maybe more. And now he is still in this position of great authority. And now they're going to try to figure out a way to catch Daniel. And we're going to see in this morning's text, when God is using someone mightily, the enemy will do everything he can to de destroy that person or at the very least distract them. You know, it's interesting that living in this world, and this is an analogy I used when I was a youth pastor, and I was just reminded of it. It's like living in a, in a, a raging river. And if you don't do anything, if you just stand there, you're going you're gonna to start floating with it. And you know what? You're going to just go with the flow way too often. And as believers, while the world around us is like a raging river, we need to be standing on the rock because the rock is immovable and the rock is Jesus Christ. Amen? But it's so easy just to be like the world and not even notice it. You ever gone to the beach before and you come back out of the beach and all your clothes are gone? Well, your clothes aren't gone. You just moved 80 feet down the beach while you're in the water and then you realize your stuff's way over there. Anybody ever had that happen besides me? <laughs> Well, that's called, you're just being moved by the current. And there's a current in this world that wants to move us. And we should not be moved by the current. We should be standing in the midst of the current, unmoved because we're standing on Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And that's Daniel. Daniel was a man who stood on the rock and no matter what happened around him, kings came and went. Edicts came and went. 
New laws came and went, and Daniel would not be moved. He would not compromise. He stood for the things of God, and that's why Daniel was used so mightily. Throughout Scripture, we see people that start well but don't finish well. Samson, he was called by God. He had the Nazarite vow. He was uniquely gifted, Holy Spirit within him before he was born. But we all know that he was a he-man who was she-weak. Amen? And he fell, and he fell. And he did not finish well. He ends up a blind man. He's a blind mule at the end of his life. We look at people like Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus started well. He was very humble in the beginning. He won some battles. They only chose him because he was good looking and head and shoulders above everyone else. But it didn't take long before his pride caught up to him. He started well. At the end, he was consulting the witch at Endor. He did not finish well. Daniel's one of the few, one of the, one of the many, I shouldn't say many, but one example that we see, a man who started well, remained faithful, and finished strong. So if you have your outline, grab it. I titled the message, Finishing Strong. Finishing Strong. Four quick things I'll, I'll share with you that we need that will be help us to finish strong. So Daniel is a man who was used mightily by God, who impacted the known world of his time, who was more written about him than any other Old Testament prophet, again, without any mention of sin or rebellion, a man who had radical faith in a time of a perverse and wicked generation, a man who refused to simply go with the flow, whose walk with God wasn't dependent upon the actions of others. By the way, your walk should not be dependent on what anybody else is doing. Amen? That's an excuse I hear. Well, you know, I used to walk with the Lord, but there's this guy who offended me. You know what? People are going to offend you. We don't come here because we worship men. We come here because we worship God. And if you put your faith in men, you're always going to be disappointed. Don't put your faith in men. Put your faith in Christ. Amen? He refused to compromise no matter what the consequences. This is a man who'd rather die with conviction than live with compromise. Is there any wonder that he's such a wonderful man and being used so mightily by God? Four things that we've seen already in Daniel's life that have helped him finish strong. First, a heart purposed to do God's will. What have you purposed in your life? What is the passion of your life? What do you wake up in the morning thinking about? I was talking about this yesterday at the men's study. Like literally every waking moment of my day, Jesus is on my mind and in my heart. And you know what? When I was younger, that wasn't always true. When I was playing college football and I was into weightlifting, you know, I, talk, I thought about the Lord every day, but now it consumes me. I wake up thinking about him. I, every, every time I speak, the Holy Spirit's convicting me. When I'm interacting with others, I'm looking for divine appointments. Guys, I don't just know about Jesus. I have intimate fellowship with him. And that's what God's called us all to have. Amen? And that was Daniel's heart. He was a man of God. Are you a man of God? Are you a woman of God? May we be. A heart purpose to do God's will. He sought godly counsel and fellowship. We all need that. Uh, he spent daily devotional time with the Lord. And as we're going to see, he was a man of prayer. So there in our outline, it says, uh, I tell the message, finishing strong. First of all, how do we finish strong? By living a life that is identified with the Lord. If I went to your next door neighbors and knocked on the door and said, hey, your neighbor next door, you know them? If you know them at all, give me three words to describe their life. Guys, every one of us, one of those words ought to be Jesus. Amen? It ought to be man of faith, woman of faith, loves the Lord. Is your life connected to God's? Are you, are you somebody that when people see you, they identify you as being a believer? When it came to Daniel, nobody doubted what his priority was, what his passion was, where the power of his life came from, and the fact that he was a man who lived a life fully submitted to the Lord. If we're going to finish strong, we need to live a life that is identified with the Lord, a life of integrity and godly character that is only possible as we make our relationship with the Lord the passion of our lives. Seek first the kingdom of God. Make him the passion. When he's the passion and he's the priority, everything else comes into place. Number two, by being prepared for the attacks that will come from the enemy. You know, the Bible says the enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And the more that your life is being used for the kingdom of God, I guarantee you the more attacks there will be upon your life. The enemy's resources are limited. He's going to go after those that God is using. And you know what? If we're going to finish strong, we need to recognize trials are coming. Tribulation's coming. 
It's a part of living this life. And when we're prepared for it, and we're prayed up about it, and we have an eternal focus in the midst of it, God will bring us through it and bring us out the other side. Amen? The enemy, he, his prime target, targets are those that love, serve, and follow the Lord. If he can't destroy you, he'll try to distract you, and he will use the world to attack or even outlaw your faith. Our faith, I promise you, we saw it with COVID. If the Lord tarries, unless God does something supernatural, our faith is going to continue to be challenged. There are going to be times when they forbid us meeting yet again like they did during COVID. And guys, we need to decide in our hearts, there's a time we obey the laws of man, Romans 13. But when the laws of man tell us to deny the laws of God, we disobey the laws of man and we obey the laws of God. Amen? And that's not up for debate. That's not, a, that's not even up for a question. And we need to purpose that in our heart, that those are the people we're going to be. Number three, by choosing to obey God rather than men. And again, don't allow the fear of man to keep you from fellowship with the Lord. Daniel didn't let the decree. We're going to see a decree that outlaws prayer. And when you outlaw prayer, if they outlawed prayer in your life, would your life change? I would hope so. Amen? And we're going to see they're going to, they're going to go after Daniel, and they've tried to get Daniel to trip up every way possible, and they're finally going to realize the only way we're going to get this guy is if we outlaw his faith. The only way we're going to, tr we're going to trip this guy up is if we make it against the law for him to worship his God. If they made it against the law for us to worship our God, I hope we would all be doing prison ministry together. Amen? Because we need to obey God rather than man. Number four, it is better to be in the lion's den with Jesus than the palace without him. We're going to see this again, just like the fiery furnace. Better to be in the fiery furnace with Jesus than out of the fiery furnace without him. Guys, we're going to see that Daniel, I'm giving it away. Here comes a spoiler. Ready? He's going to be in the lion's den at peace, and the prince is going to be in the palace in torment. Because all the things the world has to offer don't bring peace. True peace comes from being in intimate fellowship with the Lord. Number five, may we be tools in the hands of our master, leading others to him. I talked about this on Thursday. I talk about it all the time. Pray for divine appointments. I love when we pray for them. I promise that's a prayer God will answer. And it's amazing how many opportunities we have to point other people to Jesus. The most selfish thing we can do is go to heaven by ourselves. And then lastly, when we're obedient, God is glorified and we get blessed. Amen? So let's begin there in verse one. Looking at finishing strong by living a life that is identified with the Lord. So Darius is the new king. Belshazzar's dead. The Babylonian Empire has been taken over by the Medes and the Persians. And that means that Darius is setting up a new government. And look what it says here. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Whenever you were a new king in a kingdom, the first thing you wanted is people around you you could trust. It seemed to me, you know, when you read through the Old Testament, you realize that one of the least safe things to be is a king because everybody's always trying to kill the king so they can be king. And then the guy that killed the king so he can be king gets killed by another guy so he can be king. And so a king in a new land needs people around him he can trust. And of all the people in the land, no doubt many that he brought with him, he identifies Daniel as somebody that he can trust to the point where he puts him as one of the three governors. And as we're going to see, the guy above all the other governors. So the satraps, these uh, wise men, these counselors, are being used to help him govern. And then above them are three people. And then we're going to see that Daniel is the guy that's going to be uh, his right-hand man. Now, why does Daniel continue to raise to these positions of authority every time the government changes? Because he's a man of God, and even people who don't know God can recognize the wisdom of God in a man of God, even if they don't know God. Amen? And they recognize something's different about, I want this guy on my side. I want his God on our side. If I get him on my side, I'll have his God on my side. And so Daniel is this man who's 70 years of testimony has put him in a position where people had great respect for him and had a desire to have them have him on their side. See, Daniel remained in these positions for over 70 years and because 
The kings, the kings that came and went, even Nebuchadnezzar ended up coming to the faith. Belshazzar worshiped the false gods, was struck down dead, and Daniel remained in authority because even a lost world recognizes the power and presence of God and his wisdom in the lives of those that follow him. I want to encourage you with something. If you're living for the Lord out loud, people in your workplace recognize it. People in your neighborhood recognize it. Even the ones that may mock you now when they are desperate, you'll be the person they run to for prayer. And so we are the salt and light. When you show up at work, the Holy Spirit just entered the building. When you're walking through your neighborhood, the Holy Spirit's walking through the neighborhood. And God has you there for a reason. And a lost and a dying world needs you. You're the, you're the only Jesus some people will ever see. And so the Lord wants to use us. And Daniel was that man. And Daniel could have been bitter, but instead he remained faithful. Then it says this in verse 3, Then Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Don't you love this? Daniel, now in the Old Testament, they did not have the Holy Spirit, every believer. We know that the Holy Spirit doesn't come upon people. First of all, the Lord breathes the Spirit into the apostles in the book of Luke. Then he tells them to go and wait, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And that happens in the book of Acts, and that was at the birthing of the church. But the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was given to people for a time to accomplish certain things. David would cry out, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And so in the Old Testament, people had the Holy Spirit for a time, but it certainly appears that Daniel's had the Holy Spirit for 70 years. The reason that Daniel was such a, drew so many people and was so different than the rest of the world is he had the Holy Spirit when few or very few any of people else on the planet had him. And so even the, they recognized amongst all the governors, something different about that guy. He's got wisdom nobody else has. He's smarter than all of them. He gives me greater counsel. He's got a different countenance about him. What's going on with this guy? And then it's described here, he was above the other governors because an excellent spirit was in him. There's no question where he stood. The Holy Spirit was very evident in Daniel's life, and he was elevated to Darius's number two man. Now, I have these old videos I used to show my kids, and they have one on Daniel. And the one on Daniel is amazing. And these were really great. I actually bought them for our church in Santa Cruz. And, and, uh, We'd have people babysitting our kids and the movie would be half over and like, Can I, I gotta watch the end of this, right? And the videos were just amazing. Well, the one thing they do show in the videos is every time Daniel gets promoted, you see all the other wise guys getting mad. Daniel, I hate Daniel, I hate him. Why do they keep, oh, you know, he's a foreigner. He's a Jewish boy. Why is he in, and why aren't we? And they just can't stand him. Well, you know what? It's pretty accurate because this last promotion is gonna be it. Because now all the other wise men, not so wise men, the pagan university guys are all going to get together and say, we got to get rid of this guy once and for all. We've tried. This guy won't die. He won't go away. Why is he always elevated above us? Why does he have answers when we never do? We got to silence this guy. You know, and that's what the world wants to do with believers. Amen? Oh, you can't talk about your faith. Uh, guess what? We're commanded to talk about our faith. Someone recently did a TikTok about me, and she said, she said to it on, on, the, on the thing, and Pastor Dave, you know, I used to go to your church, and I don't believe in God anymore, and I've deconstructed, and you know, you could be a Christian, just keep it to yourself. And the reality is, as Christians, we must never keep it to ourselves. And Daniel was a man who did not keep it to himself, but everybody knew where he stood. And so these guys want to silence him, and the enemy wants to silence us. But guys, they can outlaw Bibles in school. They can tear down, you know, public crosses. They can take away the manger scenes. They can do all of those things that they want. The one thing they can't do is keep us quiet. Amen. And God will bring the divine appointments and we get to speak for the King of Kings and may we never keep it to ourselves. So the Kings are in constant fear of being overthrown, but he puts Daniel in the number two position because he trusts him. It says, and the king gave thought of setting him over the whole realm. He was, this is like Joseph, right? These are men of God who were put in horrible positions, who were mistreated, 
and then rose to the occasion and were used by God. Guys, if we go through trials, we can complain to God or we can look to be used by God in the midst of it. Amen? In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Verse four, so here are the governors. They're tired of it. Daniel, again, I hate this guy. Why is he always the one who's promoted? Look at verse four. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Wow. Whenever you're placed in a position of authority, there will always be attacks from those who are jealous of your position. But they looked at his entire life and they could not find a single fault in this man. I think that's a test that very few of any of us at all could pass. That if they went through every aspect of our life, no doubt there's probably something they could find that could, they could attack us with. Daniel had 70 years. His life had been very public and they still could not find one, way, one thing that he had done wrong or that was contrary to what uh, was commanded by the king. So Daniel was an amazing man that he was faithful to God, but he was also a man that was seen as faithful to the kingdom. And so Daniel, they're looking at him. They cannot find any accusation against him. They're grieved by it, and they've got to find a way. So look at verse 5. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Darius unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. The only way we're going to find anything against him is if we outlaw the serving of the true and living God. If we outlaw his worship of the true and living God, then we'll catch him because there's no other way we're going to catch him because everything else that he is doing is above reproach. He's a man of godly character. And so there's going to come a time, and it's already come, where standing for God is being outlawed. Or if you saw this story about this 26-year-old pastor standing on a street corner in our country getting shot in the back of the head for preaching the gospel. We've seen the, all the riots that are taking place now over Palestine. By the way, we're pro-Israel around here because God's pro-Israel, and we'll always be pro-Israel. Amen. <laughs> And we pray for the, the, the people on the other side that they'll get saved. But almost all of them are Muslims. And, and Muhammad was a prophet of the sword. Follow me or I'll kill you. It's a little different than Jesus' message. Follow me because I died for you. Amen? And so we need to pray for them. We want to see people saved. So they said, we got to find him. What is it that he does that we can outlaw and then we'll catch him? And if somebody said that about you, what would it be? What is the thing you're known for? Well, one of the things Daniel was known for was prayer. Daniel prayed, and Daniel prayed all the time, and Daniel prayed faithfully, and Daniel's prayer was consistent. So since the beginning, when he refused the king's diet, uh, his life has always been identified with God. The life so mirrored the commands of God that the only way to find fault in Daniel was to find fault in his relationship with God. Daniel lived standing on the rock as the world around him was flowing by. He wasn't going with the flow. He wasn't compromising his faith. He was standing on his relationship with Almighty God. They knew Daniel well, and they knew he would be faithful even if it was threatened. They knew if we outlawed, he'll keep doing it. He's not going to stop doing it because it's against the law. And again, we obey the laws of men till they tell us to disobey the laws of God. When we were open through COVID, I got calls from other pastors who were challenging me and questioning me and saying, you don't love your people. And I said, I love our people enough because I'm more worried about their eternity than whether or not they get COVID. And we told people, if you were concerned, stay home and watch on live stream. But guys, I promise, I don't care if the black plague hits next week, we're going to have church every Sunday and every Thursday till Jesus comes back. Amen. <laughs> Because we do not bow to the world when it tells us we cannot obey God. Amen? And guys, if we won't show up for church on Sunday, we're not going to talk about Jesus at work on Monday. Amen? And so this is Daniel. Asking Daniel not to pray would be like asking him not to breathe. If they outlawed prayer and the Bible and church and evangelizing, what would you do? Would you keep it to yourself? Now, what's amazing about that is a lot of us say, if they outlawed it, I'd go to jail. But did you share your faith with anybody last week? It's not against the law yet. Can I get an amen to that? 
I would stand for God no matter what. Okay, do you stand for him at work this week? Are, are you sharing your faith? Are you praying? Is, how's your prayer life? Guys, it's not against the law. Let's be about it while we can. And when it's against the law, maybe it'll get us more of us to get into the fight. Amen? The point number one, finishing strong by living a life that is identified with the Lord, a life of integrity and godly character. They knew the only way to catch Daniel was to outlaw his relationship with the Lord. Number two, by being prepared for the attacks that will come from the enemy. Verse six, so the governors and satraps, these are all the guys that are below Daniel in authority. So Daniel's technically their boss. He's the number two guy to King Darius and all these other guys in positions of authority, 120 of them, they all gather together to figure out a way to catch that Daniel. We hate him. He said thus to him, so the governors, they thronged before the king and said, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom and the administrators and the satraps and the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, they're going to play on the weakness of the king and the standards of Daniel. They know that Daniel is a man of prayer. We're going to see that Daniel prayed three times a day. He prayed toward Jerusalem. We're going to see why he did that. He opened the windows so he wasn't hiding his prayer life, but he also wasn't standing on a street corner trying to get attention, but he was not ashamed of the fact that he prayed. By the way, can I encourage you, every time you go to a restaurant, please pray over your meal and don't make it, you know, a Holy Spirit rocket over your Wheaties. Can I get an amen to that? Dear Lord Jesus, name of Pastor Jesus. You know what? Let's spend some time in prayer. And you know what? It's amazing. That becomes a testimony. People seeing you praying over your meal and they come over and go, I never see that anymore. The waitresses want to know where you go to church. Guys, it's a simple thing. Be, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Amen. Don't be afraid of praying. So they come to him and they go, hey, Darius, we're all going to pray to you. Now, do you think kings have an ego? You wouldn't, be a, you wouldn't be a king if you didn't have an ego. And you weren't caught up in your own vanity. And I'm sure they positioned it as, hey, you're in a new kingdom and you, you, know, you defeated the Babylonians. There's still some Babylonians here. We got to make sure they all line up with you, O king. And so if they prayed to any of the Babylonian gods, we want, we're going to let you know that they're still caught up with Babylon. And you know what? Let's just make it so they can only pray to you, O king. And of course, and then they lied. All of the governors and satraps got together. Is that true? Was somebody missing from that meeting? Who wasn't there? There you go. It's like when you go to PTA, you leave the room to go to the bathroom, and now you're the president of the fourth grade or whatever, right? <laughs> Daniel wasn't there. You got violent, you know what I mean? So they're, they're telling the king, and he's like, oh, all my wise men think that everyone should pray to me. We'll make sure everybody's aligned with me. That sounds like a great plan. You know, when you apply to people's pride, they'll fall for it almost every time. And they played on Darius's pride and desire for a united kingdom, and they devised a plan that would play on both, again, the faithfulness of Daniel, but also on the pride and vanity of the king. Verse 8, now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, Darius signed the decree. They brought the decree and they were ready. They had done, you know what, what's amazing to me, they never gave the king any answers when he needed help, but all of a sudden, they're really smart about the law. And what they did is they came in and said, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians. Now, this wasn't true with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar ruled. The Babylonian kings ruled. He could change his mind anytime he wanted to. The Medes and the Persians said, if you sign it and you stamp it with your ring, no one can change it, not even the king. So they were like, hey, we can lie to him. If we convince him to do it, he doesn't ask about Daniel. We'll make it the law. He signs it with his ring. He can't change it. He can't go back on it. And then when Daniel starts praying, we'll get rid of that guy finally. For once and for all, we'll go get him. He'll get thrown into the den of the lions. So point number two there, being prepared for the attacks that will come from the enemy. And notice King Darius signed the written decree. Now it's the law. It's unchangeable. And the law is for the next 30 days. 
You can only pray to Darius. And it would be easy for anybody who wanted to pray to just shut the door, to go into their prayer closet and pray, to keep it to yourself because you're, you know, you're fearful of being, you know, who wants to be fed to lions? Anybody feel like that's a program you want? <laughs> Not so much. If a lion came in here right now, we would, these, this, this tent would go down, people running out of here. But here, Daniel, it's being challenged. And it's been signed, and it's been put into law. Number three, by choosing to obey God rather than men. Look at, look at verse 10. Now when Daniel knew. This is significant. Underline that if that's your Bible. Daniel knew. What did he know? He knew that prayer had been outlawed. He's not going to pray because he just didn't know. He knew that it had been outlawed, which means Daniel is going to have a choice. He says he knew that the writing was signed. He went home and hid in the dungeon and prayed. Is that what it says? He went home and in his upper room with his windows open to Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since the early days. Daniel knew the law was signed, and he continued to do what he had done for years. He did not back down. He did not compromise. Daily constant prayer should be a part of every believer's life, not just the super saints or the radical Christians. Amen? Daniel's loyalties being put to the test, loyal to the king, knew the king of kings deserved a higher loyalty. Guys, we, I'm, I'm pro the United States. I'm as patriotic as anybody who's ever lived on this planet, but my allegiance to the United States isn't within 10 million miles of my allegiance to Almighty God. Amen? Love our nation. We love our God more. And praise the Lord for that. So Daniel refused to give the government the measure of obedience that only belongs to the Lord. And it's, it's easy. It isn't hard to see uh, why people are men pleasers. It seems as if people have the power to hire or fire or break our hearts or slander us or make us generally miserable. The power to obey God and to stand for him comes from a settled understanding that God is in control. Guys, when we fear what men can do to us, we will compromise in our relationship with the Lord. If you fear men, you will not fear God the way that you should. You will not honor God the way that you should. If you're, well, I, I can't tell anybody about my faith. I might lose my job. Will God provide another job if you need one? What's the answer? The number one reason you are at work is to be the missionary of that place. Now, do your job as unto the Lord. Don't stand in your cubicle and just witness to people all day and don't get any work done. You should be fired. The Bible tells us but to work. And we should be good workers. But we're also called to be testimonies to a lost and a dying world. Amen? Now, He's not going to be a dead fish. He's not going to just go with the flow with everyone else. And we're only going to see one person get accused. That means only one person prayed. That 30-day no prayer thing silenced everyone but Daniel. And praise God when someone will stand when nobody else will. Now, I love this. Verse 11. And by the way, let me go back to verse 10 real quick. There's, there's four things or six things that I see in this prayer that could be an encouragement to all of us, really quickly. Six things we see in Daniel's prayer. First of all, he prays in the upper room. He prayed privately, not seeking to impress others. But he prayed with the windows open, opening, remembering the place of sacrifice, even when there was no sacrifice. He didn't hide his prayer life. He was not ashamed. So when he prayed, he, he remembered the place of sacrifice. And for us, when we pray, every time we pray, we should remember the cross. Amen. It's something that should be a part of our prayer life, our understanding that the reason that we can pray is because Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn, he rose from the dead, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us so we can pray anywhere at any time. We pray to the Father in the name of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit, amen? Well, here's Daniel. He was a man who prayed consistently. He had time set apart each day, he prayed in the upper room. He prayed uh, with the windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed according to scripture. He knew what the word of God said about prayer and he prayed accordingly. So many prayer people pray amiss. People say, well, I'm praying. Well, first of all, the first thing that's most important about your prayer, who are you praying to? Amen? 
Well, I'm, I'm, I'm having a good thought for you. That really helps me out a lot. You ever get that at work? I'm thinking a good thought. Okay. Now, again, I appreciate the heart it comes from. It means, hey, I feel for you. I'm trying to express to you. What's better? I'm thinking a good thought for you. Or, hey, I'm going to go come before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Almighty God, and I'm going to intercede on your behalf that God will come and minister to you. Which one of those is better? Well, that was Daniel. He understood the word of God. He prayed according to it. Too many people pray amiss. They pray with vain repetition. By the way, just saying the same prayer over and over and over because some guy in a box told you to do it is not going to save you. Can I get an amen to that? When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. It's paid in full. We don't need to do that. We don't pray to dead saints. Can I get an amen to that? Why not? They don't hear you. And they can't answer you. Why would you pray to dead saints when you can pray to the true and living God? Amen? Don't do that. We also don't pray without reverence. We don't ask God to bless things that are contrary to his word. Other people come and say, can you pray for me that God will allow me to marry my unsaved girlfriend? No. No. Not praying for that. Will you pray for me? I'm trying to get her. I got offered a job at, uh, I don't know, a strip club. Can you pray I get it? No, I'm not praying for that. And people want to pray for things and like make ungodly things legitimate. No, we don't pray for that. Amen? So we pray to the Father in the name of the Son, the power of the Holy Spirit, and we pray according to his word, not our wants. Amen? And for his will, not our will. He also says there in verse, in verse 10 that he got on his knees. When's the last time you got on your knees? You know who prayed on their knees? Jesus. Stephen. Peter. Paul. Go through scripture. Now, does God hear our prayers no matter what our position? What's the answer? He does. But there's something about getting on your knees in a place of total submission to the Lord and blocking out everything else. So I love that he prays again in the upper room privately, but he prays with the windows open. He prays according to scripture. He prayed on his knees. He prayed three times a day. If a little bit of prayer is good, a lot of prayer is better. Amen. And it was three times a day that he was on his knees. I bet he was praying a lot more than three times a day. That's just the times when he was on his knees. As a governor, by the way, as a governor, number two in charge of the whole kingdom, you think he might have been busy? You think he might have had a lot on his calendar? What's the answer? But he wasn't too busy to pray. I've talked to people, how's your prayer life? Well, I'm just so busy, I don't have time to pray. Really? Go ask Daniel about that. Can I get an amen to that? Guys, if you are too busy to pray, you've got idols in your life you need to get rid of and need to set aside some time to spend with Almighty God. Can I get an amen to that? You've got time to pray. Stop it. He prayed and gave thanks because great prayer is always filled with thanksgiving. The first thing we do, you hear me do it all the time. My wife says I'm too repetitive, you can, and she's probably right. But she says, you always pray at the beginning. You're an almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-creative God. You, you, you pray and you always talk. And, and I do. You know why? Because he's an all-knowing, all-powerful. <laughs> Amen? And when we pray, the first thing we want to do is recognize who he is. Because when you recognize who he is, you pray, you know, uh, praising him. That's how you begin your prayer. You know what it does? It makes the rest of your prayer easy for him to answer. If he's all-knowing, almighty, all-powerful God, the rest of the stuff we're praying, could he fix it? What's the answer? See, so we should start that way. We also should pray with thanksgiving. A lot of times we don't pray with thanksgiving. We pray with complaining. <laughs> Lord, do you see what's happening? No, guys, we don't want to start that way. And there's times to cry out to God, but I love Daniel. He prayed with thanksgiving. Daniel was taken captive. His family was slaughtered in front of him. He was made into a eunuch. He was drug away to a faraway country. Kingdoms have come and gone. He's been there 70 years, and he still thanks God every single day. Guys, we have a lot to thank God for. Let's focus on that. Amen? Well, God's prices, you know, what about... Guys, God is still on the throne, no matter who's in the White House. Amen? I like to call him the rumba. You know, those, those things in your house that just kind of... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. But notice what happens here in verse 11. These men assembled and found Daniel praying. Here's what I envision. Pastor Day's opinion, okay? I don't know if they had popcorn back then, but I just envision them all setting up outside Daniel's house, 
And I'm thinking, I'm envisioning like lounge chairs and popcorn. And they're all sitting there going, what time you got? What time do you think he'll open it up? It's always eight o'clock, bro. He prays three times a day. He's going to open up at eight o'clock. There's no way he's not going to pray. Maybe he won't pray. Maybe he's a little bit afraid. No, dude, he's going to pray. You watch. Eight o'clock, windows open. And they're all sitting down there waiting. Got him. Got him. And you know what? Could Daniel have prayed and left the windows shut just that day? Could he? But why didn't he? Because he was more committed to being obedient to God than he did, than he feared man. And he was a man who'd rather die with conviction than live with compromise. And even though he knew these men were trying to track him down, they anticipated he would not back down. Doesn't that say a lot about his character? They know that if he does it, he's going to the lion's den. And they know that Daniel knows that if he prays, he's going to the lion's den. And they know that he's going to pray anyway. That's a powerful, that's as powerful a statement about Daniel as we have in all of this book. Amen? That even the unbelievers knew, oh, that guy, he's he not going to back down. Set below his window knowing he would open it and pray as he always had. And Daniel knelt when nobody else would. And guys, will we serve God when nobody else will? Verse 12 and 13. And it says there, and they went before the king and spoke, said these men assembled and saw him making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree how, uh, that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. And the king answered, said, this thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, now this is where the king's going to get thrown off and, and he's going to lose his mind a bit. He's like, watch what happens, because he loves Daniel. That Daniel, who was one of the captives from Judah, by the way, he's, how long has he been out of Judah? 70 years. And they're still pointing to that fact, right? They still look into him as a second-class citizen. Does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. That means they stayed there all day, counted how many times he prayed, ran to the king, and we finally got that Daniel. We hate Daniel. He's going to die now. We're finally all going to get promoted because Daniel will be gone. And when we can't answer it, he won't be there to answer it and make us look bad. We finally got Daniel. And the enemy would like to say they finally, that he finally got you. They first remind the king of his decree. They refer to Daniel as the captive. They say that he makes his petitions three times a day. Daniel was known for regular, constant, and consistent prayer. And again, the decree that would take his life did not change him. Verse 14, and the king, when he heard it, was greatly displeased with himself. He set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. He labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. He, as soon as the king found out, he knew he had been lied to. He knew that Daniel didn't vote for this. He should have known already that Daniel would never have voted for it. And now he's trying to fix it. And you know what? What it reminds me of, because it's unchangeable, it's going to be like every person on Judgment Day that doesn't know the Lord. They're going to say, well, what else can I do? I mean, okay, 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 I blew it. Yeah, the Lord's showing, here's all the opportunities you had to be saved. And you said, no, no, you deny me, you deny me again, you deny me again, you rejected me again, you rejected me again. Yeah, but I need one more chance. There's going to be a time when there's no more chances. And here with Darius, he's heartbroken. Daniel's my guy. And it's amazing how Daniel's was Belshazzar's guy. Daniel was Nebuchadnezzar's guy. He, he's Cyrus's guy. Now he's Darius's guy. So even though he's a godly man, he's a man that people wanted around him. He labeled till the sun went down, moved by his own pride, deceived by the enemy, tries to do all he can to fix what he has done. As believers, we can pray uh, again for forgiveness, but often the consequences remain. You know, he wants to fix it, but it's too late. And he's trying. He realized what he's done is wrong, but he can't fix it. Good news is for us, we can when we surrender our life to the Lord. Amen? Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no decree or statue which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. So Usually when you're thrown into a den of lions, it's pretty quick. 
we're going to see later in this very chapter that people don't even hit the ground and they're already dead. So they have a stone to put over the top of it and they throw them in. And then you see how, what an impact Daniel's had on this pagan king. Look at the end of the verse. He spoke, the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God whom you continually serve, you serve continually, he will deliver you. Is that not a lot of faith from a pagan king? But you know why he has so much faith? Because Daniel's faith is contagious. Because Daniel was a man that believed that God could do the impossible. And because he saw it in Daniel's heart, he believed that God could. And he doesn't say he can deliver you. He says he what? Your God will deliver you. Now, how many, how many people do you think got thrown the lion's den and didn't, didn't, got delivered? That'd be zero. But he still believes God will deliver you. And guys, I think we need to not make our prayers things that we put into a box. Amen? We should, we, should we, we should pray for the impossible. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Pray for people to get saved. Pray for, pray for our government. Pray, right? I shared this on Thursday. I hope it doesn't hurt, you know, bother anybody. But when my son Mark went to heaven two years ago, after everybody left the room, I went back in there and laid on my son and prayed that God would raise him from the dead. And God said no, but I'm still glad I prayed it because could God have done it if he wanted to? What's the answer? See, guys, we limit our prayer sometimes and we must not do that. Let's pick this up. Verse 16, so the king gave the command and said, then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. So they cast him in. Uh, again, only Daniel prayed. No one else. Just notice there aren't eight guys getting thrown in. There's one guy. There's only one guy in the entire kingdom prayed or at least was caught praying. Maybe others did it in silence. So Daniel again is linked with Almighty God. King Darius knew the power of Daniel's God, Daniel's faith, and the king sealed it, signifying Daniel's sentence could not be changed. The man's judgment means nothing to Almighty God, and we're thankful for that. You know, Daniel in the lion's den, it was sealed, and there was a stone rolled over it. Well, we saw that happen later, right? There was a stone rolled in front of the tomb. Satan is the one, in a sense, who signet ring was upon it, but the stone was rolled away, and he didn't need to roll the stone away to get out. The stone was rolled away so the people could see in and see that he had been risen. Amen? And our God can raise people from the dead. Our God is risen from the dead. He has triumphed over sin and death. And in both cases, they had sealed the fate of God's anointed, and we know that our God is greater than any plot that man may have. Amen? If God is for us, no circumstance, no matter how overwhelming, can conquer us. Point number four, it's better to be in the lion's den with Jesus than out of the lion's den without. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of the lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel, the king spoke, saying, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? King Darius, the most powerful man in the world, in his beautiful palace, with the best food, the best musicians, the most comfortable bed, he can't eat, he can't sleep, he wants no music, he's tormented. Here's a man who has everything and he's tormented. And then Daniel is in the lion's den, and true peace does not come from worldly riches and power of comfort, but right standing before God. King Darius is in the palace with no peace, and Daniel's in the lion's den at total peace. Because it's better to be in the lion's den with the Lord than out of the lion's den without him. Amen? It's far better to be in the most dire circumstances with the Lord than to have the best of what the world has to offer without him. Now, notice it says there, has your God whom you serve continually? Have you noticed how every time he says Daniel's name and he says God whom you serve continually? I would pray that that would be, wouldn't that be the, great, the greatest thing you could ever put on your tombstone? Here lies Joe who served God continually. Amen? May we be those people. Now notice what happens in verse 21. Then Daniel said, O king, live forever. 
My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And alas, O king, I have done no wrong before you. I love this, that the only jury that matters is God. We may be found guilty by men, He was found guilty by the satraps and they threw him into the lion's den. But being found guilty by ungodly men means nothing if we're found innocent by Almighty God. Amen? And so we need to be obedient to him and walk in faithful obedience to his commands and not fear the laws of man. Now again, we obey the laws of man unless they tell us to disobey the law of God. Now notice how the king responds. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. Can't you see the guys? Daniel, I hate him. He's still here. (laughs) I thought we were finally rid of this guy. Lions can't kill him. And it says, and no injury whatsoever was found on him. Why? Because he what? He believed in his God. In this world, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Our God is greater than any opposition. He's greater than any foe. He's greater than any illness. Our God is the great healer. He's the the great provider. Amen? And because it's because of our faith in God, his faith in God, he delivered him. It says in Hebrews 11, it says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promise, and stopped the mouths of lions. That's God's hall of fame in Hebrews 11. And Daniel is mentioned there because he was a man who put his faith in God. Point number five, may we be tools in the hand of the master leading others to him. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel. Oh, they hated Daniel before. They're going to love him now. And they cast them into the den of lions. And watch this, them, their children, and their wives. Watch you marry, ladies. Um, Their children and their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they came to the bottom of the den. So they did not kill Daniel because they weren't hungry. God shut the mouths of the lions. And those very ones that mocked Daniel, that lied about him, that thought they had caught him, now they are the ones that are righteously judged, and he is the one that's delivered. Those who may attack you for your faith in this life, we pray for their salvation. We don't want to see them righteously judged, but if they continue down the path and they reject the Lord, we will be found innocent by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and they will be the ones that are found guilty. Look at verse 25. The King Darius wrote, see now, when we go through trials, I know we're running out of time here. When we go through trials, sometimes you just think, why am I going through this? I want you to know that no suffering is ever wasted. That any trial, anything that we go through, God is using that for his glory if we will let him. God is using it to mold you more into the image of our Savior. No suffering is wasted. So Daniel went to lion's den. He couldn't, and he's not, but he could have come out going, what was that all about? Why did I have to go through that? Well, here's why. Look what it says. To all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Isn't that amazing they call him the God of Daniel? The God of Dave, I like that. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed. And his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on the earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? He turned Darius the king into an evangelist to have stood up and talked about the greatness of Almighty God. Had Daniel not been thrown to the lion's den and delivered, Darius would not be speaking like this. See, no suffering is wasted. God will use it for his glory if we will let him. Amen? So Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. He's going to continue to reign for many more years to come. And oddly enough, King Cyrus is the one who made the decree to let the Jews return to Palestine or to Israel. And Daniel may have been a captive nearly his whole life, but no one had ever been more free than him. Amen? So, in closing, we prepare for communion. Finishing strong. How do we do that? By living a life 
identify with the Lord. When people know you, do they know you're a believer? Do they, do they think of you as that person who loves God? Number two, by being prepared from the attacks that will come from the enemy, we shouldn't be surprised when we're under attack for standing for the things of God. By choosing to obey God rather than man, God is the priority. We want to obey God above the laws of men. It is better to be in the lion's den with Jesus than out of the in the palace without him. Hey, how many of you guys are going through a difficult time in your life right now? Raise your hand. Okay, let me tell you right now, whatever you're going through, it's better to be in the midst of that with the Lord than to have won the lottery and have everything the world has to offer and all you've ever wanted without him. Can I get an amen to that? So whatever that trial is, it's better to be in that with the Lord than out of it without him. May we be tools in the hands of the master, again, leading others to him. And when we're obedient, God is glorified and we get blessed. Daniel was obedient and he got another promotion and his God's name was magnified and I believe Darius gave his life to the Lord. Guys, it's worth, it's worth the suffering if it's going to lead others to Christ. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. We ask now as we go to this time of communion that you would prepare our hearts to remember the greatest act of love in all of human history. And so, Lord, I pray that we would take this time to look back to the cross of Calvary, to remember your love for us. It wasn't the nails that held you there. It was your love for us. But not only to look back to the cross, but to look within our own hearts. Lord, be there any wicked ways in us. If there needs to be confession right now, may I bring it humbly before you. But not only to look back to the cross and look within and examine our own hearts, but to look forward. The day coming, as Jesus said, the next time I take this with you, I'll take it with you in my kingdom. We will take communion in heaven and we long for that day. So Lord, may you meet us here in this time of reverence before you as we look back to the greatest act of love in all of human history. In Jesus' name we pray.